luck by george l catton from adventure magazine september ninth nineteen eighteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman Luck by George L. Catton The pendulum of the fortunes of men swings one way, and one man wins. Then it swings the other way, and a man loses. And men call it luck. But is it? Ted Carling, through two hundred pounds of youthful ambition, and four days grub onto the trail and broke out with the stampede he was the last man ted had been asleep when old pete johnson finally succumbed to the ancient get him drunk enough to talk scheme and disclosed the source of his bulky poke ted had no hand in it but when he awoke to the swift rasp of many feet in the snow going by his cabin and learned of the reason for it. The spirit tube hanging outside his window said thirty-five below when he snapped the padlock on his cabin door and swung onto the trail. Ted grinned grimly. Before him, in the glow of the lights, stretched out upon the flats like a long black snake across the glittering snow, a line of fully fifty old-timers and as many newcomers like himself drove leg muscles mercilessly. Ahead of them, forty miles straight north, lay old Pete Johnson's strike and Poplar Creek. Forty miles north, ten, twelve, fourteen hours straight away for those who could stand the pace. Poplar Creek lay rigid in its winter bed, its frost-expanding waters somewhere along its course, biting off little knobs and big flakes of heavy, dull yellow metal. Little knobs and big flakes to carry down to the rotting ice in the spring and sink to the bottom on somebody's claim, and Ted had determined to own one of those claims. Six feet, even in his moccasins. Legs, they called him. Hard as twenty-two years of strenuous, honest living could pack him, Fresh and eager from eight solid hours of dreamless sleep, Ted ate up the trail. Yard after yard after yard, swiftly and surely, his pounding feet closed up the gap between him and the tail of that long black snake. Mile after mile of the creaking foot-packed trail slipped away behind him. Then he caught up. Three hours out, Ted caught up with and passed, with a nod, a dozen panting men, panting weaklings, who would soon turn back. Two hours later, he set the pace for a team of trail-green new men, and laughed over his shoulder when he bade them goodbye. A mile further, he swung out to pass the leaders of the rear half of the snake, and when the brief day edged up in the south, there were just six men ahead of him on the last five miles to the creek. Old-timers, those six were. Stampeders, in more than one rush. And with the wisdom of experience, 
they had held well back to the middle of the line to the trail packed to slide on then passing with a sudden spurt the fag trail breakers they strung out a quarter of a mile ahead in the frenzied race across the last lap of five miles of unbroken snow but they couldn't shake ted of average height the six stepped exactly into each other's footprints footprints too close together for ted's long legs nevertheless ted gained with each stride barring accidents or trickery but nothing was barred in the poplar creek stampede the third man ahead of ted stumbled and went down when he got up he sat down again those immediately behind him raced past ted stopped ah in he grinned all in came the snarling answer look at that he held up his right foot the moccasin on the foot was split full length of the sole and red with blood and carefully buried in one of the hard-packed imprints of the pounding feet ahead pointed up and back the six-inch needle-pointed blade of a game knife ted dropped to his knees snorting his surprise and disgust the next minute he was on his feet again a dozen haggard men raced past but he paid no attention it was thirty odd miles back to kelly's and this man couldn't travel half an hour later ted threw his fifth huge armful of wood down beside the roaring fire and grabbed up his pack said he I'll be back as soon as I stake and he was back on the trail again there were eleven men in sight when the leader of the stampede reached old Pete Johnson's claim at the mouth of Poplar Creek Ted was the eleventh after the eleventh five hundred foot claim would place its owner over a mile up the creek valley over a mile away from the original strike and that was too far old pete johnson was an old prospector not a man of those there who knew him but knew that old pete would cover the whole creek before he settled down and when old pete staked he would measure off a full five hundred feet of the very heart of the find if there were any color worth working outside old pete's claim it would be found next to that claim up the creek the deep silent river flowed by on the other side two or three claims upstream there was a chance five or six a possibility but a mile up but ted didn't get the eleventh claim a man behind him got that men behind him got the eleventh and twelfth and ted stood guard reaching the mouth of poplar creek ted found that one of those ahead of him had jumped old pete johnson's claim and was restaking it whether or not he was the man who had planted the knife in the trail ted didn't know no one ever knew anything about that but that didn't matter ted stopped Blind, can't you see or what? he challenged shortly. Didn't you see old Pete's notice? 
Huh, the jumper snorted. Old Pete ain't never registered. If he had, we'd a heard of this before. Ted's fingers in his mitten knotted to an iron fist. His long arm shot straight out. The first fight was on. Then, with the arrival of the crowd, came the general mix-up. Axes bit off the stunted spruce, and men fought for the stakes. Grub packs and blankets were tossed aside, and men fought for position. Mittens were lost, parkas were torn off, and men fought for breath. And then the flying snow finally settled down again, and the creek was claimed upstream for a full three miles, and only one of the thirty who had lasted the forty miles had failed to stake. That man was Ted. Ted stayed on Old Pete Johnson's claim. Down at Kelly's, where Old Pete Johnson sober enough to realize that his intoxicated tongue had done, he staggered into the registry office and saved his claim. But Ted didn't know that. It needed but five minutes of Ted's flying fists to send the claim jumper on up the creek. But there were others. Then, when the race back to register had left the creek deserted, and not until then, Ted moved. When Ted started anything, he finished it. Just because he had come for that purpose, he staked a claim. With his right eye turning blue and rapidly closing, and a hopeless grin on his swollen features, Ted walked three miles up the creek and measured off the last claim staked. Then he started back. The stampede was history when Ted registered that claim. Sixty hours after the last claim was in, Ted staggered into Kelly's with yet another man across his shoulders. And that man had a right foot swollen up three times its normal size. The frost had got into the knife wound in the sole, and the men who had taken part in the stampede, the men who knew all the circumstances, shrugged their shoulders and said, Tough luck. Then came the second stampede to Poplar Creek, and Ted was in that, too. The sun came back, and the ice broke up, and roared down the river and Poplar Creek was again a living stream. Men waded out knee-deep into the numbing waters with their pans, washed sand and cursed, washed sand and cursed, and went back to Kelly's. Of the thirty-one who had staked claims on Poplar Creek, but six stayed. Old Pete Johnson and four men above him washed sand and grinned, but three miles up the creek, on the last claim stake, Ted climbed out onto the bank and threw his pan into the bushes. He wasn't disappointed. He had staked that claim simply because he had mushed forty miles for that purpose, and he always finished what he started. He threw his long arms above his head and yawned, and sat down in the creek. Ted was a big man and heavy, and the throwing up of his long arms added suddenly to his weight. The overhanging bank he stood on sagged and tore loose. The water was numbingly cold. 
the ice had been out only a few days. The creek bottom was stony there, a hard seat. But Ted sat still. Ted sat still and laughed. Old Pete Johnson and the four men above him were standing out in the creek. They were panning sand and finding little knobs and big flakes of gold where the rotting ice that carried them down began to drop them. But Ted Carling sat in the creek. Ted was staring at a big raw spot where an overhanging bank had broken off under his weight. Ted had staked the spot where the frost-expanded waters of the winter creek had bitten off all those little knobs and big flakes. And the men who took part in the stampede, the men who knew all the circumstances, shrugged their shoulders and said, Great luck! And Ted claimed. When Ted Carling got back to his little home village, his mother backed him up into a corner and demanded the reason for his sudden wealth. And Ted laughed and said, Oh, just luck. The pendulum of fortunes of men swings one way, and one man wins. It swings the other way, and a man loses. And men call it luck. But is it? The End of Luck by George L. Catton <laughs>